Welcome to Narrative Responsibility, a podcast about examining the meta story of your life, how well it is serving you, and how to change it for the better. I'm Elena Wolf, relationship coach and life alignment mentor, and this is this week's new perspective. Hi there. I'm so glad you're here today. This is episode two. What genre are you living in? The idea for this reframe came out of a conversation I was having with a friend. And basically the question being asked was, was it worth it? Like all of this that you've gone through, was it worth it? And her answer was, I don't know yet. Because she doesn't know the the outcome of what she's been working on, working toward, trying to build and putting, you know, so much effort and heart into. And there really isn't any way to know whether something was worth it until you get to the end. You can act on the hope that it will be worth it. And maybe that's enough. Just that hope that it'll be worth it. And maybe things actually do work out. But without knowing the outcome, which is impossible because no one can actually see the future, at least not that I've ever heard of. And I mean, my brain comes pretty close to being, (laughs) to being able to make accurate predictions toward the future, but even I get it wrong plenty. So without knowing that outcome, you can't actually know how your future self is going to feel about this now moment, this time that you're living in. Our inner stories change our relationship to our experience, both the experience that we are having in real time and how we feel about that experience later. When you have full knowledge of the way events in your life played out, whether we're talking about a certain time period of your life or, you know, kind of casting back at your life as a whole, you're a lot more able to put any given event into perspective in the sense of what it meant to the whole story of your life or the whole, I guess, theme or outcome for that time of your life. You'll be able to know whether this particular experience was really meaningful and really changed you in a way that mattered, that you noticed for, you know, the rest of your life. You'll know whether that whether this particular plot twist was significant or if it was kind of insignificant in the end, it was, you know, an aside or a side quest or really not even worth remembering at all. Some examples of this, you know, I think that we can all relate to with new relationships, whether this is friendships or romantic relationships, most of the time, We're several interactions deep with someone before we realize that, oh, this person is going to matter to me. Or if you're someone who is in a creative line of work, like maybe an artist or a musician or a novelist, something like that, you might not know which piece is going to ultimately be the one that comes to define your style. Or, you know, if you're going to have some kind of significant creative breakthrough on a particular project. Like you don't know that going, going in. And sometimes you don't even know that like immediately after it might, it might take years for that to emerge from, 
like all of the events and all of the things you've created for this to emerge as, oh, that was the genesis point of this theme that stayed with me for the rest of my life. Or, you know, that was the poem that came to define my career as a poet or, you know, something like that. In the moment, you think that you're building something, but you never know for sure how that is going to turn out, if you're actually going to stick with it, if you're going to want to stick with it, or what the result is going to be if you stick with it. Sometimes what seems kind of subtle or unremarkable in the moment does, in fact, turn out to be the first steps on a major change or a major like path shift. Another example of how our stories kind of change how we relate to our experiences in the moment is confirmation bias. If you tell yourself a story that no one likes you, you're going to find evidence of that because you're looking for it and you might even interact with other people in a way that says, I assume you don't like me. And then maybe without meaning to, you give them signals of leave me alone or I don't like you. And then their behavior toward you reinforces your idea that, oh, people don't like me. Well, I mean, is that true or... Are you making that true? Is your story impacting how you experience and how you interpret the experiences you're having? Life is never as neat as fictional narratives. Movies and novels, you know, comics, whatever form they take, those stories are structured to include basically the relevant information they're going to elide or summarize the moments that don't really build toward the ultimate outcome. There's a narrative arc in fictional stories of problem to solution. There's a starting point and an ending point. We go on the hero's journey from, you know, someone being innocent to enlightened. The relevant pieces along the way are the ones that promote growth or give the character resource or information or give the audience information about the character that makes us believe in them, like believe in the choices they make, believe that they could have existed, maybe, you know, understand why uh, they're acting the way that they're acting. In real life, we don't just get the highlights. We don't just get the relevant information. We get all of the moments. We don't get to skip the messy bathroom bits and laundry service toil that Jane Austen ignored in her novels. If you want to see those, go read Longbourn. <laughs> we don't get to say, what with one thing and another five years past, a la The Princess Bride. We can't fade to black and just pick up five years later or six months later. I, I mean, I guess we kind of can if we numb out and dissociate or you know, enter some sort of fugue state, blur our minds maybe with substances and, you know, like, okay, we can kind of, but also not really. Like our physical body still lives those hours and days. We don't skip them. We just maybe don't allow ourselves to be present to them or remember them. And in the end, do we want to skip time like that? Like the human lifespan is not actually that long. 
80 to 100 years, let's say, if you jump six months ahead, that is one half of a percent of your entire life. I mean, that's not statistically insignificant. So I don't know. I I think there there is something to that old saying, don't wish your life away. Like really figure out some way to want to stay to what's happening now instead of wanting to always be ahead and be at the next thing or that, that moment that you're anticipating. There's also the question of whether you'd even be ready for this future that you're so excited about or that you um, are so tired of, of this moment that you're so tired of being in that you would do anything to get out of it. I mean, if you if you don't actually walk all of the steps between where you are and where you're trying to go, are you really going to be ready for it? Like, I think there's movies about that, you know, any of the the ones where the kid switches with their adult self or something like that. And then you've got a 12 year old in a 30 year old body. It doesn't work. You don't actually have the experience to really to really be there, to really be living that future. Anyway, um, this is a a long-winded introduction to a framework that I came up with a couple of months ago because I found myself in a space of really wanting to be in my next then. I didn't want to be where I was because it was a hard place. It was low energy, low inspiration, and a lot of heavy emotions some grief and some loss and just the confusion of being in the void without a clear direction. I knew that, you know, in six months, I'd be back on some kind of path and going somewhere and feeling better. And I caught myself kind of thinking like, man, I wish I was six months ahead. And I thought if my life were a movie, like I could just montage right past this. Or, you know, maybe the movie of my life wouldn't even include this. Maybe it would pick up at a point in the future beyond this. And I started thinking about what what different genres of movies might do with this time. So, for example, if my life were a romantic comedy, this moment wouldn't even rate a mention on the screen. Or it might be, you know, half a second of montage of me going about my life before, you know, this grand love story begins. Or maybe in some kind of coming of age or redemption movie, this might actually be the kind of final triumphant scene of me taking on a feeling of depression and showing myself all of the compassion and all of the kindness and using all of the skills that I've learned for how to navigate that kind of time and that kind of feeling state uh, with grace. And, you know, this would be the end of the story. Or maybe in some kind of art house film, this would be the story. This would be what it's there to talk about and pull apart and show in all of its visceral emotional ugliness. Or maybe in a biopic, this could be the defining phase of my career. Maybe going into this particular void was the one that brought me the inspiration that changes everything for me. That made me realize that the story we think we're living can change our relationship to the present moment as we experience it. So if you change the genre, then you change 
the parts of your life that are relevant to that story. Therefore, you can change how you feel about these present moments of your life by changing the story, by changing that genre. So I'm going to go on a side tangent here about genre as a concept. It is something that I have spilled a lot of ink over uh, over the years. In one of my past lives <laughs> on the internet, everybody gets like, you know, nine lives, right? So in one of my past internet lives, I wrote a lot of commentary on speculative fiction, science fiction, fantasy, that sort of thing. And genre is always a question that is being grappled with in spaces of genre writing, right? Like, what genre is this book or is this movie? What is it pulling from? What is it referencing? What's its lineage? And I want to be really clear here that when I talk about genre, I'm not talking about genre in an academic sense. I think like the academic sense of genre is something that is imposed from the outside. It is a way of classifying stories into a form that is basically used by other academics. It might, you know, allow for some interesting comparisons and it might shed some insight onto the story structures or maybe the intent of what someone was trying to accomplish. But my experience of genre is as a dialogue between author and audience, because most of the people who write in genres are also people who have read heavily in those genres, and they know the relevant themes. They know the archetypal characters or the pieces of world building that are maybe expected or that have been seen before. And that also means they have some sense of what hasn't been seen before. And, you know, maybe there's also like, there's, there's always going to be works that are kind of pushing at the edges of, well, if, if this genre is defined by X, Y, or Z, but I take Z away, is it still that genre, but it has all these other things? How could it not be that genre? And so then you can get works that actually push the boundaries or that change the definitions and suddenly all you need is X and Y. Or maybe you need now X, Y, and number two. <laughs> um, so you can have people who are writing within a genre who are really trying to uphold the genre form. There's even, like, you can even go so far as to be making an homage to other writers or movies or whatever who have done work in the past that you really admire and you want to reference and and obviously reference in what you're doing. Or you can be trying really hard and really sincerely to make it your own while still working within the constraints of the genre. Or you can be writing or creating a genre work that is meant to be a critique of the form Maybe it's a parody or, you know, some, it has some aspect of meta narrative where it is commenting on the form of the genre from within the story. And sometimes that kind of work is also um, successful in kind of opening up new directions for the genre to take. But sometimes 
they also do things that render themselves not that genre and kind of get rejected. And then maybe 20 years later, somebody comes back in and says, oh, no, no, nobody understood what this person was doing, but look how brilliant it was. And in the, the current you know, understanding of genre, this actually fits and it's so good. Like it's always this shifting thing that can change. And because those stories and what we think of as being relevant for those stories that, that make that genre, that genre often changes. And it, it is, it changes because of the dialogue between audience and creator. And, you know, as, more more works are added to somebody's mind and their sort of internal paradigm of what that genre encompasses, then, you know, their internal definition shifts and changes. And so their output might shift and change. I mean, God, I could go on and on and on about, about creativity and how it works and what it means. But the, the point that I'm trying to make is that genres are built on traditions and past works. No two people are going to have exactly the same set of works that they use to define that genre or how they perceive storytelling in general. And so there's this constant changing of what's relevant to the genre or what's relevant to the story and how to tell it. Something being in a specific genre creates a set of expectations. And the expectations that we have of a story define how we experience that story emotionally. So we can change our experience by changing our expectations. We can change our expectations by changing the genre. A really clear example here of what I mean by changing expectations, by changing genre, is actually with romance. Whether we're talking like romantic comedy movies or the written genre of romance novels, there's basically two rules. The story focuses heavily on the developing romance, and it ends with happily ever after or happily for now. If you violate either of those rules, it is no longer romance genre. And if you try to claim that it is and you market it as such, you will get bombed with one-star reviews and kind of put on blast as a grifter who's trying to make a money grab by claiming that their work is in this really popular genre that is not actually in. Why? Because expectations matter. Violated expectations feel like a betrayal. They cause anger, a sense of injustice, a sense of having been let down, misled, maybe even lied to. It feels like having your trust abused. Yeah. <laughs> Disappointed expectations are one of the biggest causes of pain when it comes to our lives. I know I'm making the analogy to movies and books, but... Let's ex expand that understanding. If we have expectations of our life and this set of, you know, expected beats in the story of our life that we think should be playing out, this is what our relationship should look like. This is what our career should look like. This is what our emotions in this situation should be. 
then we're basically setting our expectations, this should, in opposition to what is actually happening. That creates a barrier to being present, and it often creates a lot of those negative emotions about what we're experiencing. Because if we expect life to go one way, and it's going another, what do we feel? We feel angry. We feel betrayed. We feel let down. We feel disappointed. We might be having a perfectly lovely experience, but if it's not the experience we expected to have, then we don't necessarily want it and we can't necessarily be open to enjoying it. So this is one of those places where managing our inner stories becomes important. It's one of the ways that it's important because it helps us manage our expectations of life and it helps us therefore be more open to what life is, being more willing to have the experience that we're having rather than being upset because we're not having the experience we thought we'd have or we wanted to have. The how and why we end up with these expectations and all these should statements is like its whole own topic. So we're not going to go there today. (laughs) Some other time, I promise. But I want to go back to this reframe question now that I've expanded a little bit more on this topic of genre and why it matters, what expectations are and all that and why they matter. What genre are you living in? Seriously, like what genre is is your life story right now? And if you're having a lot of disappointed expectations, maybe there's another genre you could try out. To get back to my moment back in, I think, I think this was back in like July or August um, when I was kind of having this fit of despair, I decided that the genre I wanted to switch to was biopic, girl boss, origin story, finding myself as an artist, something along those lines. And I have to say, you know, from where I'm standing right now, the months that would have been thrown away as meaningless in, you know, a different genre have been incredibly rich for me, like rich with opportunities for change and rich with openness, with letting go of a lot of expectations and simply allowing myself to explore and to to be where I am. Changing the lens of the genre for the movie of my life in this time, really, it it gave this moment in time a new meaning. And it gave me a better experience of this time. I don't know how long my ennui would have lasted if I hadn't done this. But even if it hadn't lasted any longer, I think I made myself more comfortable during that time because I wasn't fighting it. And I was allowing myself to ask questions like, what are the opportunities here? And how can I use the perspective available to me right now to serve my goals and to help me find my path forward? Basically, ask better questions, get better answers. So again, What genre do you think you're living in? Is it creating expectations that affect how you're experiencing your now moment? And could another genre help you to be more accepting of where you are and maybe more excited about where you are and find the opportunities right now 
instead of being disgruntled or unhappy about it. So that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and spending this time with me. If you want to know more about my work, you can check out thepatternbreaker.com or you can follow me on Instagram at thepatternbreaker. And until next time, how are you going to take responsibility for your story? 